The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. It's always a joy to be with you. Uh, my name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors uh, at King's and I'm based in the Bexhill venue. It's a real joy to get to share heart with you. I hear my mother-in-law is in the building somewhere, so I better watch the stories I tell today. Um, but yeah, it's always a joy to just share heart with, with you. Um, I will be continuing our Identity Preach series, and um, this morning I'll be looking at the whole subject of am I forgiven or guilty? Am I forgiving or guilty? And just felt during the the time of the worship, just God sort of like just impressed on my heart. Don't miss the moment. I'm not too sure what that means. But one thing I know is when you miss the eight o'clock bus, that's it. You've missed it. There's no going back. If you're meant to catch the eight o'clock bus and you miss it, it's gone. That's it. And just really felt God say, don't miss the moment. I don't know what this means for you sitting here. It could well be the fact that God wants you to just know his forgiveness in a fresh way. Don't miss the moment. It could be the fact that God is wanting to just speak or highlight something to you this morning. Don't, don't miss the moment. It could well be that God is wanting to underline something for you as an individual, as a family, don't miss the moment because Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here amongst us and he would want to just highlight things for us. But don't, don't miss the moment as God comes and works in this place. I'm learning every day that God is the God of the everyday and I've been having some fantastic conversations with, with colleagues and peers and friends. And so I will tell you a couple of them. Hopefully they encourage you to step out, out of these four walls, wherever your sphere of influence is. So many of you would know Saturday mornings, you know where you'd find me, somewhere, some football field somewhere, watching the boys play. Thursday evening training sessions and then obviously I do my two days at parchment as well for me these places are my spheres of influence these are the places God has put me and I try to be salt and light there so Thursday evening I'm speaking to this dad at football he turns around and he says to me how did you come to find Jesus I'm like Bang on, bring it on. My favorite subject. I am buzzing. I don't know where the question came from, but he says to me, I'd, I'd like to know how you, oh, praise the Lord. I dig in and I start sharing heart. At some point, his son comes along and says, oh, dad, my uncle has. I'm like, no, now, no, now. We're talking some serious business here. I say to him, just, just stretch it. And then he does that. He's fine. He goes on. We carry on again. I, Honestly, I'm buzzing because you don't, how many people say to you, tell me how you met Jesus? And interestingly, at the end of our conversation, he turns around and he says to me, when you started sharing, it felt like you just came alive and you were glowing. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do every time, you know. But it was a great opportunity, you know, and, and I have seen him again. And my hope is that at some point he will touch base with the Jesus who saved me. 
That is, that is my hope. Another dad, another day, football. He also turns around and he says, again, what, what is this Jesus thing? Tell me about it. This is at a football training session. It wasn't on a Sunday morning meeting. Football training session again. I share and he's standing there and he's nodding. Again, hopefully on a journey. Another fantastic one. I go into to work. This colleague comes up and we're, we're chatting and she says she, she keeps complaining about pain in her left knee. We're standing in the dining room. It's a bit awkward. She's standing there because we were planning on, you know, this activity. We're going to go out. We're just chatting. And I felt God say to me, just offer to pray. I'm like, no, this is a bit awkward. Do I shut my eyes? Do I get her to? So I say to her, look, I'd love to pray for you. You know, you don't have to shut your eyes. I won't shut my eyes. We're just going to do this. And the first thing she says is, actually, I need to tell you something. One of your friends prayed for me a while back about something. I didn't tell her what it was. In fact, it was Jackie. She said, I was just a bit grumpy that day. And then Jackie Moe saw me and said, look, can I pray for you? She said, two hours after Jackie prayed, her son called her and said, the problem is sorted. On the back of this, I said, oh, well, let's pray then. So we're standing there. We're kind of just, just, just standing opposite. I'm like, God, I thank you that you died for this person. Would you please take the pain away? Da-da-da-da-da-da. And then obviously, amen. And then I leave. The following week when I come in, she rushes and then meets me on reception right in my face. Sam, you wouldn't believe it, but I haven't taken any medication since you prayed. I haven't taken any painkillers. I think something has happened. <laughs> Praise God for... No, I honestly... The last couple of days, I've been buzzing. Because I'm like, these are opportunities that we pray for these opportunities, don't we? And God gives them to us. God gives them to us. So I'm thinking, outside of Sunday morning, we all find ourselves in many places. And God would want to use us, you know, to encourage, to do something kind, to bless. Anyway, this is not part of my preach. But I just, I just thought. It's, I just thought I'd share, you know, to encourage us and to help us see that he's the God of the everyday. Hallelujah. Are you excited? I, I, think, I, think, I think God is on the move. And I'm, yeah, my new word, I'm buzzing. <laughs> Father, I just pray that you'd help us this morning, even as we turn to your word. Would you just be at work, just shining your light, bringing hope. Uh, bringing peace, bringing revelation. Would you come and help me as I serve your church? Uh, would you just bless uh, the preaching of your word, bless the hearing of your word? Uh, would you come and help us in your name? I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. I heard this pastor uh, tell this story. Now, this is part of my preach, true story. Um, tell uh, this story. He had been hosting a couple of people around his for like a connect group or something like that. And had finished it was I think it was quite a late one it was past 9 p.m. and um, and he was hoping that people would begin to to go home because he needed to get ready uh, for the next day but but some of the guys just stayed on and they kept chatting and so he started dropping subtle hints of the fact that he wanted them to leave and so he came and he said oh it's getting it's getting very late now and one of the guys said yeah I know and they kept chatting 
a.m. And then he dropped another subtle hint and said, actually, I need to wake up tomorrow very early in the morning so I can, I can go to work. Oh, this guy says, oh, yeah, me too. And they kept chatting. And he was, it was really getting to him. And so at this point, he, he, he just he calls his wife into the adjacent room. And then he's going, he's like, aren't these people going to go? And are they going to sleep here? Do they expect that we, we would kind of like start preparing breakfast for them? I really want them to go home now. Why are they staying on? They must go home now. He comes back into the room with all the people and everybody's like that. And he notices as a baby monitor <laughs> on the table that was plugged into the adjacent room so that people had had everything. Very awkward experience. He was caught in the act. It wasn't a case of, oh, did you hear that somebody? No, 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 no. He was, he was caught in everybody had him. And today our, our story is about someone who was caught in the act. And we see how Jesus responds to her, even as we consider this whole subject of am I forgiven or guilty. If you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to John and to chapter 8. John chapter 8. <clears throat> From verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Uh, this was Jesus' practice. He would often spend time in the temple, and he would teach people. It was his way of just drawing people. It was a good opportunity to, to help the people who were in his time, to help them hear God's word. And so oftentimes, he would draw a crowd, and every opportunity he had, he would teach them. The account goes on, it says, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now it's interesting, the scribes and the Pharisees were there were the clergy and the theologians of, of the day. And they had, they had caught this woman in adultery and they, they, they brought her to Jesus. Jesus is teaching these people. Suddenly, there's a bit of, you know, a commotion. And this woman is pushed right before everybody. And they don't even stay quiet. They go, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. That was quite an interesting one because for people to actually come through as, as witnesses, it had to be, for an act like this, it had to be witnessed by more than one person. So you needed at least two people to witness such an act before they could actually bring an allegation before somebody. It wasn't just enough to see, say, a man and a woman sitting on a bed or even leaving a room. You actually had to see them in the act. And so this woman is brought before Jesus. Accusations begin to, she was caught in the act of adultery. It's quite a hard one, difficult one. Now it's interesting to note the very obvious, who is missing? The man. Some of the ladies say yes. 
The man is missing. We, uh, one thing I would say to us is you don't, you don't build doctrine out of silence. All right? We can speculate as the preacher is my prerogative to, but I won't go there. But just helpful line, we don't build doctrine out of silence. I think when the Bible is silent about something, we just keep it as it is. So let's not build doctrine from there. But there, it's very obvious this man is missing. We don't know why. We can only think and speculate. But like I'm saying, I don't want to go there. But it's interesting that there is no man. It's very clear that the scribes and the Pharisees were not wanting to help the woman in any way. They were just wanting to use this woman as a tool to effectively put Jesus on trial. They didn't care for her, no. It wasn't a case of, you've been caught in this act, we would love to to help you not do that again. No, they were just wanting to use her as a tool. But you know what? They brought her to the wrong man. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. Where is the man? We do not know. Effectively, this woman stood before Jesus and the crowd guilty because the law was against her, the people were against her, everything was stacked up against her. Now, guilt is the result of having violated a specific rule or law. When we cross a moral, ethical, or legal line, we are guilty. This is true even if we didn't know a line was crossed. Guilt is primarily a state or a condition, not a feeling. She was guilty. And sometimes we, we, we cross lines without knowing. So if, I'm, if it's a 30 mile per hour area and I'm doing 40 and the police get me and I say to them, I didn't know, that's not a good excuse, is it? No, you still cross the line. And that's what guilt is, or that's what it means to be guilty. And I think for all of us here who are in Christ Jesus, at one point we stood and the verdict over our lives was guilty. That was our story. That was my story. That was your story. Mind the language was. Take note of that. Was, not is. For those in Christ Jesus, that was our story. Before God, guilty. But the story does get better. They brought this woman to the wrong man. And the Bible goes on, it says, Now in the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. This they said to test him. This they said to test him, that they might have a charge to bring against him. Some of your versions would say, they said this to trap him. Now, when you, when you read this, do you ever think about what the test was? Or what the trap was? I will, I will tell you. At the time, the Jews were under 
Roman law. And they, I mean, the Romans were obviously they were difficult people, but they did give some kind of freedom to the Jews. So for instance, as regards religion, they gave them freedom to do that. When it came to them having their own institutions of some people in authority, they also gave them that freedom. But when it came to things like ultimately the death penalty, it was in the hands of Rome. So the Romans were the ones who called the shot when it came to the public execution of people or the death penalty. All right. So when they said, well, Jesus, we've brought this woman to you. In the law of Moses, it says we should stone her. Now, if Jesus said stone her, the scribes and the Pharisees would go to the Romans and say, look, there's a rebel amongst us. He has just asked us to stone that woman. Your law says we are not allowed to call the shots when it comes to the public execution of people. If Jesus said, actually, don't stone her, these same scribes and Pharisees will go to the Sanhedrin and say, listen, this man you guys claim is a teacher of God is actually blaspheming and saying that, you know, we can't honor the law. Do you see the trap? So either way, Jesus was in a fix. I don't think Jesus is ever in a fix though, but they wanted to trap him and they wanted to use this woman as a tool to trap Jesus. What did Jesus do? The Bible says, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. At this point, the woman has been, she's been thrown to the floor. It's just everybody's standing ready to, you know. Jesus bends down to the floor. The only time in the Bible we hear that Jesus wrote something. Interestingly though, the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. Again, let's not speculate. Scholars have debated. I mean, I read, oh, let's not, we, we don't know. We don't know what Jesus wrote. The Bible doesn't tell us. It says he, he wrote something in the ground. I don't want us to miss Jesus' posture. It says he stooped down. I want to believe Jesus in the moment was wanting to identify with a woman. It was a sign of, I feel your pain. I understand this is horrible what they are doing. This is hard. I know you just want to disappear into thin air. But I want to stand in there with you. Jesus stoops down next to this woman. I feel your pain. I know what you're feeling. And then he wrote on the ground. They are pressing, they are demanding, they still want to know a bit like a child. Sometimes I'm on the phone and one of my boys is like, Daddy, can we, can we have a biscuit? Just wait. Daddy, can, can we wait? Can I go on my tablet? Wait, just wait. They were a bit like that. Well, Jesus, what do you say? They asked again, well, Jesus, what do you say? Jesus, what do you say? And then Jesus said, 
Actually, he gave them an answer. He said, he said, stone hair. But, let anyone who hasn't sinned be the first to throw the stone. So Jesus gave a response, stone air. But let anyone who hasn't sinned be the first. It's gone very quiet. Let anyone who hasn't sinned be the first. At the time, the witnesses, when, when it came to stoning somebody, the witnesses were the first. So they would, the, whoever witnessed whatever crime it was, would be the first to, you know, throw stones. If the stone hits the person and they were still alive, then everybody would join in. And apparently the witnesses would take the bigger stones and go for it. And if obviously the person was alive, then others would join in as well. Well, so stone her, but let whoever hasn't have any sin, be the first to throw the stone. I love this part. It says, when they had it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. I wonder where, whether suddenly they discovered, oh, actually, I've got my own issues. I've come wanting to condemn this person, but I've got issues in my life. And it spoke volumes to me. But before I challenge somebody even about sin in their life, I should check my own heart first. It says they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. I think, again, this is significant. Jesus left alone with a woman standing before him. And I... I wonder whether today in this place, Jesus wants you to know that in this moment, he is alone with you and he wants you to tell him things on your heart. Everybody else left, the people wanting to condemn her or who condemned her and were wanting to stone her left. She was left alone with Jesus. Maybe for a few moments while sitting down, why don't you have some alone time with Jesus? Maybe you can shut your eyes. Jesus was left alone with this woman. And particularly at this time, if, if you know in your heart that you're not right with God and there's things in there that you're wanting God to just deal with. Maybe you can tell him. Ask Jesus to come and just, and just touch you. Holy Spirit, I just pray that even now as we are left alone with Jesus, you will come and work in our hearts. That you will come and just rid us of things that are not of you. Uh, that you would bring forgiveness where it is needed. May we receive your forgiveness today. May we walk in the freedom that you bring. 
Oh, Jesus, may we know your forgiveness, that you are a God who forgives us. May we know and experience your forgiveness today. I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Jesus is left alone with her. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Where are they? Where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I just need to explain something to us. You see, when Jesus said, let whoever here is without sin, be the first to cast a stone, all right? When Jesus said those words, whoever is here who has never sinned, throw the first stone. Do you realize that Jesus qualified to do that? Do you realize that? Because he was without sin. Whoever is here without sin, throw the first stone. Jesus Christ qualified to pick a stone and throw at the woman. She had broken the law, the Sith commandment, I think so. Thou shalt not commit adultery. She had broken the law. Jesus was without sin. Jesus would have been acting justly if he picked up a stone and stoned the woman because he was without sin. If he had stoned her, he would have been acting justly. He would have. Jesus looks at the woman and says, Wow. Wow, neither do I condemn you. Let that sink in. He had every right to stone this woman. He knew her sin. He knew what she'd been doing. But you know why Jesus came? He didn't come to condemn. He came that you and I might know his forgiveness and have life. He didn't come to condemn. He came that we might know his forgiveness. Forgiveness is effective. The word forgive means to have a clean slate, to have your debts paid for by another Jesus came so that this woman will have a clean slate so she will know his forgiveness. The reason the Son of God came wasn't to condemn the world. It was to give us his forgiveness. It was to give us eternal life. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Wow. Paul helps us 
in Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm just going to invite my friend, Abby Harris, to just come up and read Ephesians uh, chapter 1 to us. Abby, do you want to come up, please? If you've got your Bibles, just turn into Ephesians chapter 1. So I'm just starting at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were his first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Thank you very much. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you're here today, you're a child of God, you're here today, you have believed in Jesus, you've put your trust in him. Well, Ephesians remind us, particularly in verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Jesus stands in that gap. Jesus stands in that gap and he declares you forgiving when you put your faith in him. The very moment you believed in Jesus, the very moment you asked him to come and be Lord of your life, Jesus declares you not guilty. That very moment when you surrendered your life and you said, Jesus, would you help me? Jesus comes in and he says, I do not condemn you. If you're a child of God today, hear this not just here, but in your heart. You are not guilty. You are forgiven. Not by me, by Jesus Christ. Jesus has forgiven you. He wants you to know his forgiveness. He has made a way for you. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. How is that possible? 
because Jesus gave his life on the cross for you and for me. He allowed his body to be broken and his blood was shed for us. Jesus took upon himself all of our guilt. Jesus took that. He bore that in his body on the cross. He took your shame. He took my shame. He took your guilt. He took my guilt. And he died on that cross. Jesus took the penalty of our sin. And in exchange, he gave us his forgiveness. He who was without sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Am I forgiving or guilty, brothers and sisters? In Christ, we know the forgiveness of God. In Christ, there is no guilt. In Christ Jesus, there is no guilt. But forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. To finish off, we find justice and mercy in Jesus' hands because only he hadn't sinned. Anyone who will be saved from judgment of their sin will need to look to Jesus for compassion and mercy. He's the only one who can save. He's the only one who can give you that gift of forgiveness. You cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. It's a free gift from Jesus. And as you stand with him today, you can say to Jesus, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. And guess what? He doesn't ask you to pay a fiver. He doesn't ask you to pay a tenner. He gives you that gift of forgiveness freely. When somebody gives you a gift, all you need to do is to accept it. You don't pay for your birthday gifts and all that, do you? No, you just accept them and you say thank you. Jesus wants to give you that gift of forgiveness today. Two things quickly. Jesus says that we take from this. He says, neither do I condemn you. He doesn't condemn you if you are in him. And secondly, he said to the woman, go and sin no more. I think sometimes we can look at this account and think, oh, Jesus was a bit, you know, he didn't really tackle the woman's sin. But actually he did. He says to her, go and sin no more. When we truly experience the forgiveness of God, as children of God, we are equipped to live in the freedom that he has given when you truly taste of the forgiveness of God, you know his power to continue to live with his help every day. But if you don't as yet know his forgiveness, then I want to say to you, Jesus is here and he wants to give you that gift freely. We want to today just celebrate the fact that Jesus took away our shame and condemnation on the cross. If the band could please come up by sharing communion together. I want us to celebrate the forgiveness we have in Jesus. Uh, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, uh, he took some bread. I've got some bread here. And I just want to just demonstrate something quickly. Brilliant. Thank you, Janae. He took, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'll just use my voice. Hopefully you can still hear me. Jesus took some bread. Can you all hear me? Yes. He took some bread. 
and he broke it. All right, he broke it. He said, "This is my body given for you." He broke it when Jesus when Jesus broke the bread. It signified the fact that his body was broken for us. Guess what? Jesus' body was broken for you and me so that we would be made whole. Yes. Jesus' body was broken so that we would be made whole. And then he took the cup and he said again, look, this is my, this is my blood. As long as you do this, you effectively remind yourselves of my death. We look back at what Jesus did for us, but we also look forward to his second coming again. And we want to celebrate this morning just the forgiveness we have in Jesus. But if you're here today and you do not have yet know Jesus, I want to say to you, please do come and find one of the guys here in front or maybe speak to whoever came with you and just say to them, I really would like to know Jesus' forgiveness. If you are quick enough, you can catch me too before I disappear. And I'd love to have a chat. But Jesus is here, and he wants to offer his gift of forgiveness. And so we're going to celebrate that forgiveness this morning. And as you break bread and wine together, think about this forgiveness. Obviously, if you're here, you don't know Jesus, this wouldn't mean anything to you. So you don't have to partake. But you can, however, ask questions. How can I know this Jesus? How can I effectively get to have a living relationship with him? And I'm sure the people around you would gladly serve you in that way. Church, God richly bless you. Jesus does not condemn you. But he also says to us, God, and he said, God bless you richly.